This is the JT and Looney Podcast, Episode 1. We are thrilled to introduce our brand new podcast. I'm JT the Brick, Hi. along with the iconic voice, Tom Looney. Did you How notice I didn't give you 10 seconds till I had to squeeze in and let people know I was here, too? Well, it took you just a few <laughs> seconds to interrupt <laughs> yes. me, which will be fun about a podcast, because we don't have to worry about interruptions yes, anymore. Yes, because we don't have to worry about breaks and format and time frames, etc. I can't wait. We worked 14 years together nationally on the radio. I'm so proud of our friendship and what we accomplished together, but we decided to jump in, in the, into the podcast world because we believe we have a connection with our audience. We love our audience, building it around the world, around the United States over the years. We wanted to jump back in again because our audience means everything to and us. When I first met you, I was told that you would be closer to the audience and closer to the listeners than any host I would ever met, and I found out it was true. And as a frat president... Uh, you were just so much fun to work with. Uh, the gang that we always worked with, the guys not only that worked behind the scenes with us, the listeners, the callers, you wanted everybody to be part of the party and everyone to remain friends. And miraculously, after all these years, we're still friends, too. We are great friends, and that's why this is so important to me, that we can get on a podcast and talk to this audience and get new ideas and just talk about what's been happening all the time because that's what we loved about the radio and what we continue to like still about being on the radio is the ability to be structured to work off a clock to understand that there's breaks and we got to talk about certain things but i think in this format of a podcast we'll be able to slow it down a little bit and really talk about the passions that we have in our life and what we really want to well, talk yes. about talk about the stuff that we talked about during the commercials yes. because here we won't have commercials so we can talk about what was up on CNN or Fox News uh, during the show or during the day or what movies we saw our favorite comedians when we that we watched on Netflix the night before a lot of the stuff that we couldn't talk about on the radio because it wasn't sports Funny, my wife just said to me before we recorded this, she says, are you going to use foul language? Because you can in your podcast. And for over 23 years, I haven't even used the B word, the A word. Very PG-rated shows yes. we've done over the years. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it here. But if this it is going to be... It happens. Yeah. It's got to be organic. And that's the way we did the show together anyway, even within the restricted format of, you know, of commercial radio. And that is, we didn't do frickin' frack radio where we met ahead of time and had meetings and say, you be the liberal, I'll be the conservative, and you be frick, and I'll be frack. We just turned on the mics and gave our opinions. If we agreed, we did. If we didn't, we didn't. And that's the way we'll do it here. And I'm very proud of you because I never thought that you would commit to a podcast over oh, the know. years. Big radio, <laughs> celebrity, movies, game shows, uh, the iconic voice of the best damn sports show, period. So you decided to take that jump and get into the world of podcasts. Well, yeah, always tongue-in-cheek, I would call podcasts pretend radio shows. <laughs> but you know in the back of my mind, I couldn't wait to have a pretend radio show myself. Again, this is about you, our audience, our loyal audience. Who, If you're brand new to us, again, we've been together on the radio for 14 years. We're like brothers. We're friends. And we believe there's a lot to talk about. And we want to dive deep, have a lot of fun, look at a bunch of different topics that typically we didn't have more than six or seven minutes to get to in Pop Looney on the radio or something where we had to interview an athlete after a game-winning shot. So it kind of took us off what we were talking about at the time. I can't wait for this. Well, yeah, the Pop Looney segment we, that we did for people who didn't hear the radio show was 
uh, my take on pop culture. So it gave us a chance to talk about the latest movies. A lot of times when the Academy Awards come out, most people who have busy lives haven't seen those movies. We did, because we're also movie geeks and radio geeks. We're both interested in everything, and that's what this podcast will be about. For the last couple of years... Everybody's been complaining about the NFL, from ratings, the anthem, all these other issues. People are leaving football because of concussions penalties. and penalties and flags. And everybody concerned about how many people are watching on a certain night. We just love to go to football games, watch football games, and always talk about this sport. I've never enjoyed the NFL more. I do realize you know, the, the, the problems with concussions and penalties. And a, a lot of times the problem, you know, you know the referees have never been better. The problem is the TVs have never been bigger. They're 54-inch Samsung HD TVs, and we can see their mistakes in crystal clear, high definition. But we're taking a look at the wart on Lincoln's face rather than judge, judging Lincoln's work. The NFL is brilliant. The NFL is amazing, and I think the NFL has turned the corner in regards to the way the game is being played. Earlier this year on a Monday night football game, the Rams beat the Chiefs 54-51. to <laughs> Many people consider that game to be the greatest offensive game of all time. But I'm a little bit concerned about it going forward because there's only a few teams that can score right. at that pace. There's only a couple of teams that have a quarterback, a running back, wide receivers who can play at that level. And, Tom, I grew up with defense. I remember Ray Nitschke stories, Chuck Bednarik. I grew up with Lawrence Taylor, LT. The Steel Curtain. The greatest defensive player of all time. And then you, with Ray Lewis, you think he's one of the greatest players, period. Oh, uh, yeah. The two buddies got that stink on him from uh, those, two, those two people that nobody killed in Atlanta. It's a Super Bowl. Otherwise, it would have been the greatest career, I think, of any football player ever. I think he's the greatest football play, player ever. And when you take a look at the NFL and you talk about how it was all about defense over the years, and Terry Bradshaw, who won four Super Bowls, really did, it wasn't because all he could do was hand off. He could barely pass. He gets in the Hall of Fame. It was that steel curtain defense where no one could score more than six or eight points a game. That's all changed, and I think it's for the better. People love offensive fireworks, and there's always, JT, there's always, when people take a look at Take a look at that game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the L.A. Rams. People get depressed if they're not a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs or the L.A. Rams because they realize, my team can't beat that team. My team can't score 51 points, 53 points. But that's every year, JT. No matter whether it's an offensive year or a defensive year, there's usually only a handful of teams that can win the Super Bowl and lots of other fans saying we can't beat those teams. But my concerns this time is Kansas City becomes the first team to ever lose a game by scoring over 50. Right. They score 51. In that game, Mahomes was 33 of 46 for 478 yards and six touchdowns. And I look at this kid and Jared Goff, who threw for 413 yards in that game, four touchdowns, no interceptions. I think the rest of the league looked around and said, if I don't have that type of team and that type of coach, especially Sean McVay, the wonder kid in Los Angeles, how am I going to compete for years to come? Because they're taking away defense. The cornerbacks aren't able to bump these guys after five yards. And it starts to look 
Tom, like a video game. My sons play Madden, and the game that I'm watching on television and going to now is looking more like a video game than the sport we grew up with. Video games have never been more popular, and the NFL, as a result, has never been more popular because the NFL is resembling a video game, and that's a good thing. That would be the argument. In that game, Kareem Hunt, at the time, as a rusher, had 14 carries for 70 yards, and he's an unbelievable receiver out of the backfield. He had three receptions in that game and a touchdown. TMZ broke the story of what happened at his residence in a hotel in Cleveland back in February, where there was an altercation off an elevator with a young gal, and I personally know TMZ pretty well. I talked to one of their producers the day that story broke, and he told me, That was the easiest video TMZ ever acquired when it came to a breaking sports story. And I said, compared to Ray Rice and all these other big stories over the last couple of years, and he confirmed, absolutely. Once again, and we'll get to Kareem Hunt and his transgressions and how he failed miserably, but the NFL failed because they couldn't get the video. And once again, Roger Goodell has got a PR nightmare on his hands. Well, uh, this proves my loony chaos theory of the universe, JT. Nobody knows what they're doing. We all have average IQs. We're just BSing our way through life. Just because somebody has a fancy job or a fancy title or a logo like the NFL, the NBA, the American Cancer Society, the White House, it doesn't mean that they know what they're doing. And you've always said, you've always had this defense of the NFL, and you work for a team, and I understand that, and you're a loyal guy, but you always are sticking up for the NFL saying their investigative team has former CIA and FBI (laughs) agents. You've always said that, and I've always responded by saying, oh, the guys that it took 11 years to find Osama bin Laden? So I think that on September 12, 2001, we probably should have hired TMZ to look for Bin Laden if they were around, but uh, the NFL would have found Hunt and the Ray Rice tapes themselves to their credit, but it would have taken until about 2029 for them to find it. These acts of domestic violence in football have been happening since the 40s, 50s, 60s. The problem was there was no camera phones. There were no video surveillance. There was no TMZ or the Internet. And people were able to brush it aside and go back to the game. We're not living in a society like that anymore. If a football player, Reuben Foster, Ray Rice, Kareem Hunt, whoever it is, puts their hands on a woman we're probably going to find out about it because there's a camera somewhere. Someone's going to break that story. And players who used to lie in the past no longer could. Kareem Hunt lied to the Kansas City Chiefs, lied to the NFL because he didn't think that there was going to be video. He thought his loyal friends would have protected him on the back end. Well, it's all of a sudden a lot of the problems we have in society, they're not conceptual anymore because we have pictures. Mm-hmm. There's pros and cons to having cameras everywhere. One of the upsides seemed to be when we were having conversations about school shootings, mass shootings in bars. When we see the pictures, it changes our our complete concept of it. Because before it was just something that happened in our imagination. Once we see pictures, we say, oh, my God, that's what it looks like. So all the players from 1920 until 2015 with Ray Rice, got away with it because it was something something we only conceptualized or we thought, oh, our favorite celebrity would never do that. Now we see it, 
And it's a different story. I've always been a fan of Roger Goodell. And you needle me for this. Because I think he's got a pretty tough job. He represents the owners. It's just not Roger Goodell waking up in a throne every day saying, hey, I want to do this, this. No, he does what the owners ask him to do. When the owners have issues, problems, negotiations, Roger Goodell is the front. But he continues to get embarrassed. And I think... We're finding a time, Tom, now that we're going forward, and the commissioner has got to back away when it comes to the internal investigations. Because we talk about retired FBI, and who could they use to go out and get in front of TMZ? I don't think they have the resources to do it. There are too many journalists on the ground. There are too many individuals who are investigative reporters who have been doing this longer than everybody that continue to prove that they can beat the NFL to the video, to the story. So I think Roger Goodell has got to put his hands up and say, I have to build a division under the shield of the NFL that I can count on to represent this league and do a better and quicker and thorough a couple of things there. He's got to do that to inoculate himself from some of the blame. Yeah. So, so take take himself away from the hands-on investigation or taking the blame. Number two, I've always told you about TMZ, the National Enquirer, etc. How do they get scoops? A lot of times they'll go to the New York Times, the Washington Post, and hire away. They'll say, how much you making there? And somebody will say, oh, 125000 We'll pay you 150. Or how you much you're making eighty thousand? We'll pay you one hundred and sixty. And so, what the NFL maybe needs to do? And I'm not saying this to be snarky. Hire some of these guys from TMZ yeah. or call the TMZ. Pay they have a they have a rainy day slush fund of a billion dollars. They don't won't they? pay. The NFL has a policy that where they won't pay for video. And I think the embarrassment with the Kareem Hunt situation now puts them at a point when the owners get together that they have to go down that road if they have to pay a police department, a private investigator, if they have to pay off a casino to go get a tape, they got to do it now. They can't be holier than God and then yeah, come back and NBC see this. News. Yeah, just pay. they just got to do it. Pay. They have unlimited dollars and resources to do that. And I don't know of an owner who would disagree with that. What owner wouldn't say, yeah, whatever, go to the fund, get the video so we're not embarrassed further because – just when football's taken off again, everybody loves this game. We still look at the athletes in all sports and say, who's the guy that beat up the woman? Who's the guy that took performance-enhancing drugs? Who's the guy who's cheating the system? And it continues to come back that the NFL can't have six months, an offseason, or even a regular season where they don't have these issues that pop up and fans Fans just want to interact and talk about because it's so important to well, them. Well, the NFL, the current zeitgeist in the NFL is go younger with coaches. Yeah. Maybe the NFL needs to go younger with investigators. Hire somebody from TMZ. I'm fascinated when people in the media, sports media, talk about ratings. Who cares other than the guys in the ivory tower, the TV executives who get paid for ratings going up and down? I go to games. I sit there and I don't think about what the ratings are going to be when I'm on the sideline. When I'm watching at home, if it's a good entertaining game, I keep it on. If it's a blowout, maybe I turn it off. But I think we got to get to the point now. Jason Witten's doing Monday Night Football. He's right. struggling heavily yeah, he to do that job, but the ratings are up on Monday Night Football. Why does this matter to so many people? How many eyeballs are watching when it comes to a fan perspective? Well, I think it matters to some people that the quality of the broadcast, and there are so many great people, and we know a lot of them, who've been going to work every day calling baseball play-by-play, football play-by-play, hockey play-by-play, and they do it every, and sometimes they do all those sports to feed their family. 
and or as George W. Bush would say, to put food on their family, right? And and why can't you? Why do you need to take a guy off a football team like Jason Witten and put him on an iconic Monday Night Football broadcast? I think no matter how the ratings are for Monday Night Football, when you're coming into somebody's living room, it should be a higher quality broadcast. You shouldn't be trying a guy out. On a network, we broadcast. always talk about cutting the line. Like, yes. Look at that guy; he just right. cut the line. There's <laughs> yes. been broadcasters working their entire life right. for an opportunity, and then an athlete hangs it up. He's not even going to the Hall of Fame. He's going to have to wait five years, and he goes right to the broadcast booth. But there's been a couple who are outstanding. First off, oh Troy God. Aikman is oh. amazing at it. His preparation, and on that point, I think Joe Buck is great. Do you remember anybody getting as much crap as Joe Buck? Whenever I watch a baseball game, the World Series, the NFL. Everybody's ripping on Joe Buck. There's not a guy who puts in more passion and dedication. I don't get and it. everybody thinks he's pulling for one of the teams. He's yeah. not. You're not going to get frickin' frack radio out of me or frickin' frack podcast out of me for this one. I think he's terrific. I'm not sure what it is that's bothering people. And sometimes, I guess it's ever since the Kennedy assassination in America, everyone sees a grassy knoll somewhere and thinks, a play-by-play guy is biased against their team. He's from St. Louis. I know over the course of the World Series that Dodger fans thought he was biased against the Dodgers because he grew up in St. Louis, Joe mm-hmm. Buck, and he's a Cardinal guy. Well, that doesn't mean he can't objectively call the World Series. He's excited about calling the World Series. He wants to do it right. He wants to do it great, and I, I think he does. So I know who else is really seems to improve. I'm always fascinated when guys improve. and they get been better, doing, yeah. Jim Nance. Jim Nance is better this year than he's ever been. You know, hello, friends. Calm, conservative Jim Nance is getting better and better and better. I think it's easy to sit on your couch and Twitter and and tweet about how bad guys are or when they make mistakes when they're talking and improvising three hours a day at a live football game or baseball game. It takes more guts in life to say positive things absolutely about people, about about broadcasters, et cetera. And so I agree with that on Joe Buck. I think Joe Buck is great. Jim Nance, the number one teams, and our friend Chris Myers at Fox is getting better and better and better at calling play doing play by play. And I was blown away at Tony Romo. In the beginning, he would call the Boy. plays. He would tell you exactly what was going to happen. But now I'm comfortable with him. I'm a Phil Sims guy. I think Phil got a lot of heat over the years, and all he did was Super Bowl after Super Bowl and big games. And a lot of heat for silly things. Yeah, yep. and people started to point fingers at him. But Tony Romo has done a Tony Romo. Job. I really liked because anytime anybody puts a quarter turn on the mundane, they're going to be a little bit controversial. He decided he wasn't going to do it like everybody else. I loved that. That's the way Picasso became Picasso, by not painting like everybody else. We'd get arrested by the podcast police if we didn't mention Colin Kaepernick. Oh, I know. That's and true. when the Redskins lost Colt McCoy to an injury, they brought in Mark Sanchez. Everybody started chirping about Colin Kaepernick, who hasn't played football for quite some time because he's an he's a social injustice warrior. And he's very good at that. That's yep. what he wants to be. Colin Kaepernick does not want to play football anymore because he knows if he plays one more play, if he throws an interception, if he gets hurt, he can't go back into the real world and say, hey, I'm back here again. I'm going to go back to social injustice. Let's pick it up here. If he wanted to play, he'd have a press conference. He'd have a YouTube video every day, the way Terrell Owens and Ocho Cinco. You couldn't get those guys out of the league. They kept saying, I don't want to stop. I can keep playing. Please sign me. Here's my video. T.O., I'm going to run another 40 again. 
You see nothing from Kaepernick because he doesn't want to play. Now, can he come in and be a great backup quarterback? Absolutely. Can he be a great starter? I don't believe so because he's been out for so long. Do you believe this is a conspiracy by the NFL owners to keep him out because he has the lawsuit, or do you think he'll eventually get a chance? Oh, I think it's always been a conspiracy to keep him out. I also think coaches don't want to bring in a distraction, which is a real thing. A lot of things in sports are just cliches like momentum, etc., and chemistry in the locker room. I think all of those things are cliches made up by guys like us who have three hours to fill sometimes on radio talk shows. But I do think that distractions are a real thing because if he is a backup, coaches don't like to sit around and talk about their backup quarterback. He's suing the NFL. Nobody can get hired by any company they're suing. So there are caveats there. And I'm using the guy that has Kaepernick's back. But when you make that argument about how how he's not waving and saying, I'd like to work, you are absolutely correct. But one thing that you said you're wrong, that you said he's he's very good at being a social injustice warrior. He just got paid by Nike. He just got a shoe deal for not playing sports and allegedly being a guy out there. I have to give that him credit. He's any he good donates a lot of money and he raises money. We've said that about oh. Kaepernick. Every time he wrote a check for a million dollars, we went on the radio and said he backed it if up. That's he wrote your that definition check. Of, of of progress and him doing well. And but he, does what does his voice sound like? We've almost mm-hmm. forgot. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like he's got a, a fatwa on his head and he's not allowed to appear in public. Muhammad Ali was a great social justice warrior. He went to campuses and Jim spoke. Brown. Jim Brown goes to campuses and speaks uh, till this day. Is is Colin Kaepernick going to campus? Do, do we know what his voice sounds That's like? That's my point. I he's believe. Not, remember what he said about the election, the lesser of two evils. That's a guy who doesn't even know anything about politics. And I, I think he's trying to get there. And again, I'm not a fan of everything he's done. Let's make that point clear. I think he's trying to evolve into that guy, and I think my key point is going forward, he can't play football again. If he plays football again, we're going to think of him as the football player. I think he wants to be the martyr. I think the rest of his life is going to be him talking about social injustice, and I think that's what he's concentrating on. If Kaepernick really cared about playing football again, he'd be sitting down with Oprah, Bob Costas, Brian Gumble. Just with the snap of a finger. They'd send out a TV crew. Yeah. They'd set it up. He'd sit in a chair, and everybody would hear his message again. He doesn't want to do it, let alone play quarterback and have to grind it out again. I thought he'd be back by now because I thought there'd be one owner. Daniel Snyder, Jerry Jones as a backup, Mark Davis in Oakland, whoever it is. Someone would say, you know, I'm going to look good. If I bring him in, I'm going to connect with my fans if I make him a backup. He doesn't have to start here, but let's have him because when he was playing at his best, when he was making Clay Matthews miss on those RPOs and he was just faking guys out and running 60 yards for touchdowns, going to the Super Bowl under Jim Harbaugh, he was a heck of a football player. Yeah, but I don't think he's a heck of a social justice warrior because he's not doing Oprah and he's not doing Bob Costas. He's not sitting down with Brian Gumbel with the piano keys on HBO and Brian Gumbel with his half glasses taking notes. And I got his back on the message. And that's what we've gone back and forth over the years on the radio about is I like Colin Kaepernick's message. I like his issue. I think police brutality is a major issue in the United States of America and race issues that we don't want to talk about. But he's not talking about them. He's just a symbol who doesn't talk. I have no knowledge of anything. Let's move to the Patriots because, you know, this gets my blood to boil, even on a podcast. My dad's theory on the Patriots every year. They're the only team that we've seen now going on 20 years 
that they know when they break camp and training camp in August that they are going to be home in the playoffs for a home playoff game or a home bye week and then a home game throughout the AFC, maybe they'll have to play the AFC championship game on the road. And that's because Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And I always said it was Joe Montana forever. But Brady's proven it with the five Super Bowls. Belichick, the greatest coach of all time. But Tom, you grew up in upstate New York. I grew up in Long Island. To see the Patriots now continue to slaughter the Dolphins, the Bills, the Jets, all of those teams suck, and the Patriots start off every year almost 6-0 in their yeah, division. That's why, that's why Tom Brady's not the greatest quarterback of all time, because look at the regular season he's had playing in that weak division A. He almost lost to Jake DeLome and the Carolina Panthers in the Super Bowl, but Adam Venateri won the game for him. Uh, so he's one of the luckiest of all time. He's not one of the greatest of all time. He's had bad Super Bowls. There's a lot of playoff games he's lost over the years that he shouldn't have lost to teams like the Jets and the Ravens, etc. So uh, I, I, do n- I do not have him on my Mount Rushmore of greatest quarterbacks of all time. You are nuts, and we're going to get to that in a future podcast on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Stay tuned for that and one. He will but not be on Tom my Mount Brady Rushmore. can comfortably sit on the throne as the greatest quarterback of all time. The only scar that he not has, it's not room. a scab, the scar is Deflategate because he's the only Hall of Fame quarterback, especially at that level, who missed games due to a four-game suspension because of all the trials and tribulations around that. And other cheating scandals when the Rams, who were double-digit favorites in the Super Bowl over uh, the Patriots when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl, and the Rams will tell you, that we had the greatest show on turf. Mm-hmm. It seemed as though the Patriots knew what we were going to do before every play. Yeah, that's because they're cheaters, and they will always have that asterisk. But what do we do for a team? It fascinates me because it's the job of the Dolphins and the Jets and the Bills to get better, and they don't. Yeah, and every year no. we, we put up with this garbage. Well, this is going to be a really good year for the Bills. They drafted Josh Allen. Give me a break. Or Tannehill's coming back. And they're going to, it's tough to win in Miami in September in the heat. It's a joke. And the Jets, you know, before the season starts, you're going to get two wins against the Jets. How many other teams open up every year saying, I got two automatic wins? But what Brady and Belichick do is they continue to outwork everybody. They prepare. I have all the respect for them in the world because they have to play those teams. And when they do, they bury them. They don't let up. And they win most of the time with grace and dignity. I'm stunned every time they lose. Yeah. They're so good. But here's another thing about their division, which really will put another asterisk on whether or not they're one of the great franchises ever. The the Jets fans have been waiting for something to happen since 1969. Dolphins fans have been waiting for something to happen since the 70s and they went undefeated. They have a some a shining point of light for a decade under Dan Marino, but they constantly choked in big games. And Bills fans have been waiting for the Bills to be good since last century as well, in the 90s since Jim Kelly left. So the Patriots haven't had competition in their division against those three teams whose fans are growing really, really old waiting for their team to be good. My point is on the Patriots one last time. Just to know as a fan that you're going to put out your Uh lawn chair at your tailgate party in August and tell everybody at your tailgate, hey, uh, we'll be back here in January. And know for sure your same parking spot, your same barbecue, you're going to be back there again looking at the stadium because you're a guaranteed lock 
to have home playoff games. That's been the difference for all these teams. You get a home playoff game, you get a bye week, you're going to have a better opportunity to win again until someone knocks them off. And as we talked about earlier, maybe Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. You're a big fan of Big Ben Roethlisberger. Yes, at times the best quarterback in the NFL. And how about the Ravens, who no matter... Who the quarterback is, and it's been Joe Flacco for a long time. That defense always seems to be ready, and they might be the only team in this 20 years that's not afraid to go up there. Everybody else will tell you, right. oh, I'll ready to go. No, the Ravens are the team that embraces going up to Gillette and said, yeah, we've won there before. We can do it again. And you know I love my young running quarterbacks. Uh, there are no old running quarterbacks. No, that's a good point. If you, run, if you run often, you're not going to make it to be an old quarterback. That's for sure. That's what makes Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens uh, one of those uh, sleeper picks uh, to uh, go all the way this year. I don't think that they can beat the Kansas City Chiefs or the New England Patriots when the chips are down. But on any given Sunday, they may be able to because it's hard to prepare for Lamar Jackson. When the, you know, a lot, he's having a lot of rookie luck right now because people aren't used to his chaotic way. People are used to Phillip Rivers. And let me jump in on Phillip Rivers oh, because boy. I've seen him play all his games against the Raiders. Uh, congratulations to Phillip and his wife. They're expecting their ninth oh, child. Goodness. How Round of applause for that on our podcast. Nine children. Eddie Murphy just passed him with ten. I know. So I think Phil wants to catch Eddie Murphy there. But the difference is, is that Phillip Rivers is doing it with his original wife. Oh, that is true. Eddie Murphy's <laughs> bounced around here a little bit. But the Chargers, and this is a unique topic because you live in Los Angeles, and they were trying to get a stadium with the Raiders in Carson, and it didn't work out. The Raiders end up going to Vegas, and then the Chargers are the stepchild in L.A. going, where are we going to go? Oh, we're going to go to Inglewood with the Rams. But now they play home games at StubHub Center where there's still thousands of empty seats and fans from Philadelphia, Kansas City, Baltimore Fair come in. cheering for the other team. Right. Is this the year that Phillip Rivers, because that earlier win that he had, down 16, the first time the Steelers ever lost in franchise history, up 16 in the second half, could this be the perfect year for Rivers to say, hey, we're orphans in L.A., no one's coming to watch us, let's make a Super oh, Bowl that run. come from behind win was, in Pittsburgh, was the biggest win this century. For the Chargers and their fans, and you wonder who are their fans? Who are their fans? And matter yeah. of fact, I just had mentioned how uh, you could bring in Kareem Hunt for the for, for the Chargers because it won't upset their fan base because they don't have one. So that might be a roll of the dice they could take and bring in uh, and bring in him. But I would I would say this about the Chargers is that Philip Rivers proved on that night something that I thought he couldn't do and win. When the spotlight was on. Yeah, you were all over him because the spotlight was too big. I thought so. In that game, nationally televised game, it was flexed to Sunday night. And he throws an interception machine and a turnover machine. I always think overrated, a media darling, but he proved me wrong in that game. Well, he's got over 53,000 yards in his career. And he played on just a couple of good Charger teams. You could debate, could he make the Chargers better? Could he put the team on his back? He is an absolute lock. First ballot Hall of Famer. This guy's going to play another three or four years. He's going to have somewhere close to 70,000 yards, and that's not going to be a padlock on the door in Canton, Ohio. Uh, you put up numbers like that, win games like that, more respect for Phillip Rivers, who continues to put up with all this nonsense around him, losing a team in San Diego, going up to Carson, becoming L.A., commuting back and forth, and he's still winning football Sometimes games. Sometimes losers put up a lot of yards because their team is always behind. That's why... 
Vinny Testaverde and Philip Rivers have a lot of yards in their careers because their team they were playing for bad teams who were always behind and they were always playing catch up and so they padded their statistics. I love this fight for LA story because still I think that Ram fans and I've met a number of Ram fans and if you go back to the glory years of the Rams in LA with Deacon Jones who was a personal friend, Merlin Olsen, Vince Ferragamo, some of the great teams, you know Eric Dickerson well over the years, their fans got overtaken by Raider fans. In Los Angeles, when the Raiders still have won the only Super Bowl in L.A., but now because this team is so good, they got a great young quarterback in Jared Goff. They have Todd Gurley, who might be the best player in all of football. Aaron Donald looks to be the best defensive player in football. they got a window here before they move into that stadium and before they have to pay Goff. They lost last year, and you pointed that out in the playoffs at home. I mean, they tanked at home. They can't afford to do that again. No, they can't, but they won the big games this year at home. They didn't used to have a home field advantage their first couple of years. If they had played the Atlanta Falcons in the playoffs last year in Atlanta, they would have won. They weren't playing well at home in the mud at the Coliseum, but this year they are. And this year they won big games, shootouts at home with the Eagles, shootouts at home with the Kansas City Chiefs so they can win at home. This may be the year. You can't, there's no windows. A lot of times you just got to do it on the year where you have the talent and they do this year. I'd just like to see a rematch. I'd like to see the Saints and Drew Brees. I want to see them go up against Goff. And a neutral I want to see field. that. Oh. On a, but the problem here is it's going to be for home field. Whoever has that game, it's almost impossible to win in New Orleans. I've been in New Orleans, and I want to apologize on this debut podcast to the city of New Orleans. Because after Katrina and what happened to that dome, right. it was disturbing what was going on inside. Right. People died there. It was just a mess, the flooding. I thought they should have tore it down. Just tore it down and build something brand new. They would have been able to come up with NFL money. They refurbished that dome. And they brought it back. And I was against that. But I know that city well. I've been to the Lower Ninth Ward. I've been on the streets of New Orleans. That's one of the more underrated fan bases because they walk to that dome on game day. It's as loud as any place I've ever been. And was there ever a perfect fit for a city for an outsider than Drew Brees and what he's become in that city already with the Super Bowl ring and having that team playing as good as any team in football now? I just came back from New Orleans, and no matter what bar you walk into, no matter where you go, and no matter who you see and what kind of weirdo that you see they have a, a saints emblem on or a yeah, saints hat on it. where someone you wouldn't think would be a typical sports fan is a fan of the new orleans saints that's a city that loves itself and it's a real hard place to win and it's great that it's bounced back because it's a great city one other quick thing on the raiders i'm a big john gruden guy i met john gruden over 20 years ago there was just a bond that we had initially when he came to the raiders And now John Gruden comes back, and he was treated like a king returning home when he came back to Oakland. He looked at the situation in Oakland, big press conference, 50-plus alumni and former players came back. That's never happened before. In the history of the NFL, a coach has never had a press conference with that many former players there. Then Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack wanted the max, $90 The Raiders balked on that. They weren't going to pay him that money. Right or wrong, most people believe that's a mistake of a lifetime because Mac is probably the best player I've seen since Lawrence Taylor and your guy Ray Lewis. He's that good. 
He could be a Mount Rushmore defensive guy. But what do you think about Gruden looking at the entire situation, the Amari Cooper trade, saying, I'm going to do something that we're not used to. I'm going to break this thing up midseason. I'm not going to wait till January before the combine, after the Super Bowl, after he comes back from Radio Row. He's going to do it now because it's really been painful for those fans in Oakland. Well, that king has no clothes. The emperor has no clothes, which is amazing. Or people are treating him that way. How do I feel about it? You know him. You have his name in your cell phone right now, and you could call him. What is it like for you to hear people attack somebody that you know and like and consider a friend? He's not a cartoon figure to you. He's a human being that you know, him and his family. He knows you and your family. What is it like to have someone you know attacked the way he's been attacked? It's troubling. It's concerning because we live in a society now that a lot of people throw stones. A lot of people are able to do it on social media. A lot of fans are able to do it anonymously. I brought you up to Oakland to games. They're arguably one of the best fan bases in all sports. They are loyal, but dealing with the move eventually to Las Vegas in a couple of years, and the fact that John Gruden wants to win now, most Oakland Raider fans are looking at the roster understanding that they can't win because of the decisions that John Gruden has made. But that's a fair question because I want him to do well, and I think he will do well because he's the mentor to Sean McVay. Whenever anybody brings up this topic, I say, see Sean McVay, everybody thinks he's the new whiz kid. Every play he knows, thought of, or called, it's because of John Gruden. Well, John then why Gruden are the Rams so good and the, and the Raiders so bad? Because the Rams had a better roster. They had a quarterback. Remember, once the Raiders paid Derek Carr, that $75-plus million, they didn't have the money to go give Mack the same thing. Or they could have. They could have given Mack $90 million, oh. But giving Carr and Mack all that money wouldn't have given Gruden enough to go out in free agency and go down the road in the future. Gruden just realized that even with Carr and Mack, they weren't very good. I'm not talking about really good. I'm talking about Gruden saying, I want to eventually have a team that's better than Belichick, Andy Reid, what Sean Payton's doing. And Gruden looked at it and did something very aggressive. He said, I'm not waiting. I'm getting rid of the guys who can't play. I'm getting rid of the guys who want too much money. And I'm going to bring in my guys in the future and try to bring in the team that I envisioned. The only mistake I think he made is he came in pretty rah-rah about wanting to win in Oakland, rightfully so. Who wouldn't? And now he's breaking it down, but it's for a bigger cause on trying to get the Raiders not to 9-7, and seven, not to 10-6. and six. His goal is to get them back to a Super Bowl and win a championship. Ah, that's every coach's goal when they stand up there at their press conference. Yeah. How many more games would the Raiders have won this year had they had Khalil Mack? Great question. That's, that's the question that every Raider fan is wrapping their head around. I'd say no more than six total. That's the key to this whole conversation. No matter where you stand on this topic, if Khalil Mack is out there against Kansas City, I think he gets a sack of Mahomes. I think maybe they win a game because of a strip sack. But overall, they're not very good, and John Gruden has a plan. And that's a good way to wrap up our current state of the NFL as we take a look at what it's going to take to win in the future. And I think we both agree. You're going to need a young quarterback who's athletic, that you haven't paid yet. Carr, Stafford, all these guys who are getting paid, you look around at the rest of the roster wondering, how can you build a team? So you have a low-priced quarterback, the way Seattle did it with Russell Wilson. You load up 
with some free agents. You have the Legion of Boom in Seattle. You got a great player like Marshawn Lynch, and you go to Super Bowls and you get one. Or you're an aging team that's trying to break up the roster, looking to rebuild in the future, getting another quarterback, and then go all in with veterans and free agents. I think it's more complicated than ever to win in this well, league. It's, first of all, it's always complicated if you want to have a great quarterback. Everyone wants to have a great quarterback, but a lot of the best quarterbacks in this league, in the history of this league, now and going all the way back, were the ones that no one saw coming because coaches don't always know who but the best players But do you know how tough are. it is it's to t- have... You know, it's Tom Brady and Johnny Unitas got right. cut by the Pittsburgh Steelers and Patrick Mahomes was taken by the Chiefs. The problem is, JT, with finding the right quarterback because a lot of times the diamonds are in the rough and they're not smart enough to draft the right player. You say they want a great young quarterback. Johnny Unitas was cut by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tom Brady wasn't the first pick in the NFL draft. Six-round pick. Yeah, and, so, and neither was Joe Montana. So you're saying find the great young quarterback. Yeah, easy to say. It's difficult to win. There's only one champion every year. Everybody thinks they're going to be able to get it done. But I believe that we've gone through this Tom Brady era. It's not going to end for another year or two. They're going to take their shots. We're looking at what we're seeing in New Orleans, Los Angeles. We mentioned two teams in Los Angeles. We're just wondering, has this game evolved to the point where if you don't have the formula – to have the radical play caller that's going to throw it all the time with the right players at the right price early in their careers with perfect free agents coming in, how are you going to win a Super Bowl and beat Tom Brady? The Rams look like they have the formula, everything coming together at the right time. Yeah, the pendulum always swings. We always think that the team that's doing it right now winning today has the formula and then the team tomorrow with the different defensive formula wins a Super Bowl and everybody scrambles to copy that team. But the sky is not falling when it comes to the NFL. <laughs> no way. I, no we, way. we were able to do that and talk about that all the time. There's always going to be a story about an athlete getting suspended, performance-enhancing drugs, unfortunately, domestic violence, and I'd like to see that abolished at some point, and every athlete keep their hands off a woman, but the NFL can't get away from this topic, and other issues surrounding owners, infighting, but fans still love this game. I've never had a bigger passion for it. There are teams I like, there are teams I root against, but I think the state of the NFL is a healthy NFL right now where fans Love offense more than defense. And fans, young fans who love video games, are loving a sport that looks like a video game, and that's not a bad thing. Thanks for joining us on episode number one of the JT and Looney podcast. Join us for episode two, where we'll take a look at LeBron James to your city, Los Angeles, and we'll take a look at the Mount Rushmore of sports. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.